Hi, this is Cinda Williams, and I am extremely blessed to tell you about a new book on survival called Faith, Failure, and Success, Volume 2, Surviving the Storm. Erica Summers, Martha Chavez, Latrice Rice, Nicole Reed, Vanya Hudson, and I have come together to share our deepest, darkest challenges with you and how we overcame. Please check it out on Amazon.com and wherever books are sold. Cinda Williams here and welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of the PPC Podcast. I've been getting acquainted with middle life. For some folks, the default of this time is to lose it. I'm working on staying gracious in this time. Life is beginning again. And on that note, let's get on with it. I've been reflecting on my life lately. Lots of quiet and tons of time alone will open you up for that. I've been thinking back to all my choices, the ones that took me on a journey of success and those that took me down dark and perilous roads. I was very fearless when I began my life as an adult. I knew exactly what I wanted and I aimed high. Well, my friend, entrepreneur, author, journalist, and mother, Tishon Taylor, has always reached for the mountaintops. I'll let her tell you all about it. Everybody, introducing Tishon Taylor. Sean Taylor, welcome to the PPC podcast. Thank you, Cinda, for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited. Sean, everybody, is a friend of mine, um, along with someone that I look up to and and think is freaking awesome on a business level. Uh, Sean and I met uh, with our children. Our kids went to was it second grade together? That I mean, they were at yeah, the same, they were at the same grade. school. Um, Irving, they went to Irving and I recognized you the first day of school on the playground. <laughs> I said, that's Cinda Williams. <laughs> What's she doing here? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was such a great experience and I was so thankful for you because I'm, believe it or not, I'm quite shy and, and I may never have made any friends if you hadn't been the outgoing person that you are and, and it just so happened our kids are the same age so yeah you, you were my oak park buddy and i don't have that many friends in chicago but you are definitely uh 
top of that list. So uh, I'm very happy to know you as a friend and also as someone I look up to in the business. So uh, on this platform, I always want to go back to childhood because I really believe that's kind of where everything begins for people and gets them onto the road of success eventually. So can you tell the audience where you're from, how you were raised, all these things? Well, I'm from um, a mid-sized city called Alton, Illinois. It's just outside of uh, St. Louis, but it's on the Illinois side. People always confuse that with East St. Louis. It's not. It's it's equidistant between St. Louis and East St. Louis. And um, so I grew up uh, in not quite racially mixed community. It was about um, maybe 30 percent black, um, mostly white uh, other than that. And, you know, I went to the public schools there. Um, and, you know, back in the time when I was in school, sometimes it was still a struggle for students who really liked school and were smart to get opportunities because they would look at you and, you know, you're black. So they put everybody in the same reading group, but they just assumed you couldn't perform. So I kind of grew up in that environment, really fighting for the right to be smart and fighting mm-hmm. for the right to, to advance in that environment. So um, it really helped me cut my teeth <laughs> for working in a newsroom later, which, which we'll get to that. But but one thing that's always been consistent about me, even when I was young, is that I love to write. And I used to write poems and I would write short stories and I would write funny stories. And, um, you know, there were no computers back then. So, uh, you know, I'd have a notebook and I'd write a story and I'd show it to my friends on the playground. And then I started charging for them to mm. read it. <laughs> so, mm. so you want to read this story, it's going to cost you a nickel. You want to read this, it's going to cost you 25 cents. So mm. I was already on my hustle back then, uh, hustling my, my words and my content, um, even at a, as young as in the fifth grade. Mm. Wow. So what about home? I, I, I've had the, uh, been blessed to meet your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was home like? Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have an older brother and sister. I was, I'm the, well, my brother is six years younger than me. I mean, older than my sister, seven years older. So when you have that kind of a gap, you, you do still feel a little bit alone, you know, in that environment. So, you know, my friends basically consisted of the kids that live on my block or near my block. And then some kids, you know, that I made friends with in school. And like I said, here again, you know, Alton was Um, had some diversity, but we still grew up in that time period where not too far off the civil rights movement where, you know, there are a lot of things just weren't equal. So sometimes it was even hard to have be friends with kids outside of your neighborhood, outside of your community, or either they'd get older to get to high school and then, you know, walk down the the hallway and they act like they don't know who you are. So um, I I did grow up in somewhat of a racially polarizing environment. Um, and that's kind of stuck with me. But you know, we look at look at where I was then and where we are now. <laughs> Honestly, not a whole lot has changed uh, in certain parts of the you know the country. But but for me, I've made um, conscious effort to live places where um, more progressive communities. And certainly, Oak Park is one of those communities. And I've been very grateful for my community, especially in the past year with COVID and with Black Lives Matter. You know, there's, there's Black Lives Matter signs all over Oak Park, and it's not just in Black people's yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved, loved living in Oak Park. Actually miss it because it was it was the kind of community that I felt comfortable talking to everybody. You know, it, it was, you know, every race, every religion, 
every sexual orientation, all kind of folks that talk a, a true uh, a salad bowl, I, I'd rather call it than, than melting pot. Uh, yeah. All kind of folks living together, making a community great. Yeah. Um, and there just aren't that many of those that I've experienced and I've lived all over the place. So I, I do miss it. Uh, miss it there. So when did you first publish? Well, um, if you count uh, newspaper publishing, gosh, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I started writing for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch when I was still in college. I was, um, I got a journalism scholarship from them in my, my sophomore year to go to Mizzou, journalism mm -hmm. school, one of the top journalism schools in the country. And so in the summertime, um, it came with an internship. So the summer before my senior year is when I really um, finally got to uh, put that byline out there. And I've always used T period Sean Taylor as my byline. Uh, my first name is Triopia. I've never used it. And uh, but it was my grandmother's name. So using the T was kind of my little tribute to my grandma. Um, but yeah, my byline first appeared in St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And I spent the better part of my career working at newspapers. So the post was the first and I always went shot shot high. I didn't I didn't go down aim low because uh, and I know a lot of people, you know, I know there's a lot of uh, value you can get from working for a smaller community newspaper. But um, hey, I put myself through school. So those weren't paying the bills. Okay, I, I wasn't gonna drive a Chevette for the next 15 years. So I aimed high. And so I left there. Um, from there, I went to Detroit Free Press, the Kansas City Star, and I worked at each of those places a year and before I came to Chicago, Chicago Tribune. Mm -hmm. And how long were you with the Tribune? I was with the Tribune 15 years. Wow. I've actually been in business now longer than I was with the Tribune. Yeah, I know, because I, I think I met you right around the time that you were really getting your company. You're an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us about uh, what you do with your, your, your company? Well, I tell you, this journey really started for me, Cinda, when I was still a business reporter. Um, I was hired by Essence Magazine to write a couple of their uh, ventures features, is what they used to call it. And it would feature four black women entrepreneurs. The first time was for their Oprah issue back in 2005. And, um, and then I probably did that feature for another two years. And listening and talking to other black women entrepreneurs, I think it was really that first real spark for me, uh, besides, of course, selling my stories at the playground. That was the next, maybe the second spark was, wow, listen to these stories. And there's struggle in that. There's some difficulty in that. But I was like, I'm dealing with struggle and difficulty on a job. So if I'm going to, you know, have, you know, put this much effort into an elbow grease, it might as well be for my own thing. But I didn't come to that right away. It really kind of accidentally happened. After um, they killed my section, I was working for the woman news section at the Tribune. So I left the Tribune at the end of 2005, right before Christmas. And my son was small. He was, um, he had a nanny at home. And I was like, well, get rid of the nanny. I'm going to stay at home, be a stay at home mom for a little while. Little did I know people at my Christmas party that year were taking bets how long that was going to last. So a friend, <laughs> of mine, a friend of mine told me, uh, yeah, I won that bet. I gave you three weeks. I was like, what? Come on, really? But I couldn't, I couldn't turn it down. I got a call from City Colleges out of the blue and they wanted to talk to me about some research I had done about a story I did two years prior, almost two years prior about blacks in the construction sector. 
And I met with the chancellor and they commissioned me to do a special report. And basically I got, what I got hired for was about a third of my Tribune salary right there. Wow. And um, I did a couple of more reports with them. When people found out that I was a free agent, I didn't have to go looking for work. Work just came to me. And I got to do some really, really fun, fun things that year. And by August of that year, I was like, you know what? I got a business. I think I got a business here. And I was making some really big life decisions around that time. So I really had to believe in myself um, to really make that happen. And I remember almost with an urgency, like, I need to figure out a name for this business. What do I call this business? And I literally just got in the car, went to Kinko's and said, I'm going to, you know, look at the, you know, these books and see if I get anything pops off. And sure enough, I saw a business card that had a little tree on it. And I remembered that one, that was the nickname my sorority sisters called me when I was in, in school. They called me Tree, short for Triopia. And then another friend of mine, when I told her my name was Triopia, she said, Treetop. So I was like, see, that's why I don't give tell people my name because they always come up with a nickname right afterwards. But for mm -hmm. some reason, when I saw that, I heard Kelly say, Treetop. And I was like, that's it, Treetop Consulting. And it's been Treetop Consulting ever since. Yeah. I, one of the things that I always loved about you is your relationship with other strong black female women. You you surround yourself with people that are always aiming high, as you say. And and I I have had issues with that, honestly. Um, most of the time women don't really want me around and that's why I love you so much because you know who you are. The women that really know who they are, know their strengths and believe in themselves, don't give a crap about my past or who I am. Um, but uh, you have been able to really surround yourself with very uh, forward thinking, proactive women. Uh, and I know you've been a part of some different groups. What, what have you done with that? Well, you know what? It's interesting you say that because even though I'm, I belong to a sorority, I am not a big join a group kind of person. Hmm. You know, I have met these individuals really through my work and through a lot of word of mouth. And so, um, and also just by being my 100% self and frankly using humor, you know, infusing humor in a lot of these conversations. Um, I don't like to come to the table feeling like that I'm begging or I'm the, 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 the young kid on the block because I've been that kid, young kid on the block. Basically, by the time I left the Tribune, I was good and grown. So it's like, I'm going to walk in the room like a good and grown woman. You know, I'm going to walk in the room like an entrepreneur, but I'm authentic with who I am. And if, hey, if we don't click, I'll usually know that pretty quickly. Um, mm -hmm. But I think people appreciate my honesty. But, but frankly, I, I think a lot of those relationships center was built on the fact that I was hired to do a job and I produce, I did it. I don't miss deadlines. I don't turn in shoddy work. I take what I do very, very seriously. And I think I earn the respect of some of these women who certainly have more, more um, notoriety or maybe bigger cachet publicly than I do because I deliver. Well, okay, on that note, we might as well move on to your current project. Um, I'm, I'm so excited. Tell us all about it. Well, um, I uh, have been co-authoring uh, the first two books of a series with Tamron Hall that um, the, was a black female protagonist who is a broadcast journalist who covers crime. 
and she also has a forensic background. Um, and that opportunity came to me through a friend of mine who I worked with at the Tribune. And uh, he recommended me uh, as a potential co-writer to his agent, who was also Tamron's agent. So I just threw my hat in the ring. I hadn't written fiction. Most of the work I had done is nonfiction. And when I talked to the agent, I was honest about that. But what what um, really pushed me over uh, and above a lot of the other people who wanted that gig was I covered cops in courts. And so here again, my Tribune background, that was one of my favorite beats. I, cops and courts, I love cops and courts. I mean, I even felt cool doing it. I even had a convertible there for a minute. Girl, I would show up on, <laughs> show up on the crime scene with my top down, you know? So um, the character in the book, Jordan Manning, she's got a drop top, you know, that's, that's definitely me right there. Um, it was a true collaboration though with, with Tamron and she had very clear ideas about how she wanted and why she wanted to tell the story. Um, and it's so important because it's a character we haven't seen. We haven't seen this character. We haven't seen her on television. We haven't read about her in a book. And so we really created something that very unique um, that I think will have a long life. Um, Cause there's a million different ways you can tell a crime story. And she has really owned that space of crime stories. She had the show Deadline Crime with Tamron Hall. She's got another show uh, coming out, um, debuting in January. It might be this week. I got to double check called Someone They Knew. So she has really carved that space out for herself, that crime space as a black woman. And now the manifestation in literary form is Jordan Manning. And so the first Jordan Manning novel is called As the Wicked Watch. It dropped in October of last year. And uh, we are currently working on book two, which we don't have a title for yet, but um, looking to complete that within the next couple of months. So it's taught me something really important about myself. And that's one, I can write a book, but I've actually written a book before I wrote this book. I wrote a book with uh, Melody Span Cooper, um, owner of uh, Midway uh, Broadcasting and WVON, an absolute joy. And I know I talked to a writer about a week ago who said that she has never done a collaboration. She don't think she'd be good at it. And I got to thinking about that. It does take a special skill to collaborate, um, but I've been collaborative pretty much my whole uh, entrepreneurial journey because I do a lot of ghost writing for people, but I always tell people this isn't a ghost writing job. My name is on the title page, so I'm, I'm not a ghost on this one, but I have collaborated so much with people to basically bring their thought leadership and their ideas to life. So um, that all prepared me for this role. And I love it. I like writing books. I love writing books. Mm -hmm. you know? That's a dream of mine. I've, I, you know, written memoir kind of stuff, but I've always dreamed. I have so many stories in my mind about uh, that are based, loosely based on real things, but so that's that's a dream of mine eventually get to the place where i can just sit down and write all this stuff that's coming from my head so i really admire your work and what you've done and the fact that you're a great mom um we didn't talk that much about that we'll talk more about that on the show when you come on a ppc radio show january uh 19th uh on www.thegrownfolksradio.com on facebook and youtube and 
Thank you so much, Sean, uh, for for being uh, on my show. I've loved you and wanted you on it for a long time. I've been very patient waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, girl, um, I had I had to get you know I got to meet those contractual obligations if you know what I mean. <laughs> yep. So I appreciate your time and and your inspirational uh, presence. And thank you so much. I will be seeing you January 19th. Everybody, you got to come 2 to 4 Eastern www.thegrownfolksradio.com and get this book as The Wicked Watch. I am going to get it. It is a page turner. And thank you again, honey. To quote the Golden Girls, thank you for being a friend and I love you. (laughs) Love you too. Thank you. A midlife crisis. I've heard this phrase for years, but I'm only now experiencing it. For the first time in my life, I'm trying to figure out who the heck I am and what I want to do from here. Before I always knew, I always knew what I wanted. For the first time, I'm like, I just don't know. I still love my gifts and I wanna continue doing the work that I love, but I realize that now I have to do more if I'm going to continue to fulfill my life's purpose. Middle age doesn't have to mean life is over. For me, I believe life is beginning anew. I'm not afraid to try new things and continue to aim high. I may not be youthful, which has its perks, But now I'm wise. I'm excited about where God is leading me. And I am oh so ready. Well, that's it for another PPC podcast. Thank you to T. Sean Taylor for her energy and constant stream of wisdom. To hear more from her, join us Wednesday, January 19th from 2 to 4 Eastern on the PPC Radio Show. You can find that on www.thegrownfolksradio.com, Facebook, or YouTube. Thank you again, DJ Kid Disco, for always hooking me up with wonderful production and beats. God bless you all. Until next time. That's a wrap. Hi, this is Cinda Williams, and I want to tell you about the PPC Radio Show. Every Wednesday from 2 to 4 Eastern, DJ Kit Disco and Shelly Shell Williams and I sit down with a different guest. We talk about healing your heart, surviving the storm, and everything in between. Come on and join us every Wednesday from 2 to 4 Eastern on www.thegrownfolksradio.com. That's PPC Radio Show. We'll see you there.